Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings today from Studio B on Airline Drive. We are at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans, and set to go for the Wednesday edition of this podcast. Plenty of football talk later on today with John Antiolo from the Fresno Bee. We'll get to know Tyler Davidson through him a little bit more today. And then Haoli Kikaha, uh, of course, the linebacker, outside linebacker from the University of Washington, was covered by the Seattle Times and specifically Adam Jude. And so both of those gentlemen uh, hope to join us today and uh, get us um, up to speed on those two individuals here as we get closer and closer now to rookie minicamp, which starts uh, here at the end of the week. Well, obviously, the big news yesterday here on Airline Drive was the dismissal of Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. I think it caught a lot of folks by surprise. Uh, General Manager Dell Demp said it all happened fairly quickly, but uh, after a five-year run with the Pelicans, two playoff appearances, including this past season as the eighth seed in the Western Conference, the uh, Pelicans decided to make a change and will move forward and search for a new head basketball coach. Monty Williams, no doubt, was uh, certainly an impactful guy on our organization, a tremendous individual who grew uh, close relationships with staff and players and uh, all in a positive fashion. But uh, it is what it is. And so yesterday, uh, Del Demps uh, had a 3 o'clock press conference yesterday announcing the uh, dismissal of Monty Williams and the subsequent start of the new head coaching search. Here was Del Demps yesterday in front of the media making an opening statement about the very large move. After an assessment of the team, we believe it's in the best interest of the New Orleans Pelicans to make a coaching change at this time. This is an organizational decision in which we decided a coaching change is best for the long-term success of the Pelicans. This is a very difficult decision, but I support it. Monty Williams is a man of integrity and a true professional. We thank him for all of his hard work and dedication to the Pelicans, and we wish him well. Demps was peppered with questions by the uh, local media yesterday, and one of which was regarding Anthony Davis and uh, whether or not Davis was consulted on the move or 
whether that was a message delivered to Davis after the uh, dismissal of Monty Williams was made. Here's what Dell Dumps had to say about that. I had a conversation with him after the decision was made. You know, I said I talked to him, and you know, I think that's you know that'll stay between us. But I did talk to him about after the decision was made, and I talked to a number of players. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but uh, Dumps was um, was quick to point out that this is more about the future and uh, moving ahead with the organization, what they think is best for the organization, that the decision was uh, a combination of ownership and senior management, and that uh, there was not to be really any discussion yesterday of the past, uh, the past being, of course, the tenure of Monty Williams. Uh, the work to find Williams' replacement apparently now is underway, as uh, Dems pointed out yesterday in front of the media. You know, we're going to begin that process, you know, immediately after this press conference. Um, I don't have a timetable for that right now, but, you know, that is something that, you know, we will begin immediately. So it will be a busy offseason, to say the least. Not only do you have a coaching search, but then the installation of a new program under a new head coach, uh, Mickey Loomis and Dell Demps, already at work on that process even as we speak. So that's a lot of news yesterday with regards to the basketball team. And, again, Dell Demps offered what he could and uh, we're able to share some of that with you. More of it uh, in, a, in its totality, I should say, uh, is, of course, found on pelicans.com. All right, football, another focus today. Rookie minicamp coming up. We'll learn a little bit more about Tyler Davidson and Haoli Kakaha today as John Antiola and Adam Jude are set to join us, and we'll get started on those interviews right after this. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a pita taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. Rush R40 Tour, New Orleans, this is it. Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart. Rush. Experience four decades of Rush Live in one night. Friday, May 22nd, Smoothie King Center. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com or by phone. R40 Tour, don't miss it. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We've got a couple of guys to get to know today, one of which is fifth-round selection Tyler Davison, the uh, interior defensive lineman for Fresno State. Kind of a big guy who can maybe play a little bit outside in the 3-4. He was draft pick number 154 over. He has signed now with the Saints and is all set for rookie minicamp this weekend. To help us get to know him a little bit more, we're going to head back out west and check in with Brian John Antiola. He writes for the Fresno Bee and covered Tyler Davison during his days at Fresno State. Brian John, good morning and uh, greetings uh, here from New Orleans. I hope all finds you well on the west coast today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell me more about Tyler Davidson. I, I can't, I'm anxious to see him, uh, you know, a fifth-round guy. Uh, usually those guys uh, have tremendous upside, but there's something that held them from being, you know, a lower-drafted individual. What can you tell us about Tyler's days at Fresno State? Yeah, Tyler played nose guard for Fresno State in a 3-4 system, so he was often double-teamed throughout, and yet he was very productive. Uh, you know, he's able to work through some of those uh, double-teams, get to the quarterback a lot. You know, he's pretty good at run-stopping, pretty good at uh, pressuring the passer and stuff. I think uh, and to a point where they wanted to isolate him sometimes and play him at defensive end. Uh, unfortunately for Fresno State, they didn't always have the other complementary parts to make that happen, and they felt like he was most effective for the team to uh, to remain at nose guard. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that's, that's pretty fast for, uh, for a defensive lineman, but he's kind of a tweener. You know, he's not the biggest guy. Uh, I know he's put on some size since his uh, college days and stuff, but you know he, he's kind of in between. Depends on if they're going to you know beef him up even more and, and keep him at nose at nose guard, you know, defensive tackle, or if they're going to try to slim him down and uh, and get him at defensive end. But I don't think in the NFL actually. Now I think about it, he's probably not going to play at the defensive end. So he's going to bulk up uh, probably in uh, in in these coming years. And uh, you know he's a he's a nice project. I don't think he's a a finished or you know a ready-made NFL guy uh, because of his size, but he's pretty strong. Uh, obviously, very powerful, very explosive, and I think uh, down the line he could be contributing for the Saints. Yeah, he threw up uh, 225 pounds on the bench at his combine, uh, 32 times, and you mentioned his size, six two, 316 pounds. Uh, Brian, when he, when he when he arrived on campus, was he an impact guy right away, or did he kind of come along and then make the big splash here this past fall? Yeah, you know, he wasn't he was not a heralded recruit uh, coming in by any means, and he didn't uh, play immediately. Uh, it took him a while. I believe uh, midway through his sophomore year, he started to, uh, to to really showcase that he could contribute and stuff. But it kind of came out of nowhere. But then once he once he took over the role, you know, he became a dominant force. He became you know one of those guys that Fresno State relied on heavily to win their matchups and to uh, and get that defense going. And he struggled a little bit his senior year. You know, he started the year playing defensive end, then he switched over to nose nose guard again, which was his natural, more natural position that he excelled in his junior year. And he goes back to defensive end for a little bit, and you just think that, that moving might have messed up his senior year to a degree, and that's why Fresno State, you know, had a, had a six and eight season after winning back-to-back uh, Mountain West championships there. But but Davidson has always been kind of that glue, even even when he was a you know the defense was struggling as a whole and he was kind of struggling. He was still one of their better players on the field. Uh, was he durable? Uh, you mentioned better player on the field. Was he durable enough for Fresno State? Oh no doubt. You know I believe he's played in every single one of their games uh, the past three years. You know I'm looking at his stats right now: 14 games, 13 games, 13 games. Uh, didn't play again as a as a freshman. Uh, but, you know, he he has the ability to get to the ball, you know, and punish those quarterbacks. You know, I'm looking at stats again. Eight quarterback hurries in throughout his career. You know, he forced three fumbles, recovered four fumbles. Uh, he gets to the – he gets – he applies pressure to the quarterback pretty good. Did you ever have a chance to visit with him one-on-one? And, and if so, Brian John, what was his – what was his personality like? How would you describe him? Oh, you know, Tyler, he's great. You know, 
he's a very he's a very fun personality you know uh, he, he's very candid with his thoughts uh, and yet he, you know he he knows how to joke around you know he's never very serious I think that personality helps loosen the clubhouse having him around and stuff and you know he's not one to step on other people's toes and, and be too too critical but he'll tell you how it is at least from his vantage point uh, of how things are going and uh, you know he's just he's, he's a delight to, to work with from a media standpoint is there a good story i can tease him with when i see him in the locker room here soon um i, I can't remember i think uh well i know he said he likes to eat and uh further state played in the hawaii bowl uh two two out of the past three years and he was talking about how he just couldn't wait to go to the buffets and just chow down on all the hawaiian food there Okay, all right, fair enough. I think I can probably make something out of that. Uh, I really appreciate it uh, helping us get to know him a little bit more. Um, Brian John Antiolo on the Fresno B, uh, Fresno State beat there. Uh, Brian John, if anybody wants to, I guess, get further thoughts from you or follow what you're doing out there, is there a Twitter handle we should pass along today? Sure, it's uh, spelled B-A-N-T-E-O-L-A underscore the B. Uh, that's T H E B E E at uh, at tw- Twitter dot com. B J Antiola at the Fresno B. So very good. You know we've got a little Fresno flavor in our basketball program. I think Quincy Pondexter is from out your way, so um, I know all about that Fresno California pride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I- I've covered him in high school. He's a- he's a great kid as well. No doubt, no doubt. Brian, John, thanks for your time. All the best this summer, and uh, we'll look forward to getting with you down the road, okay? Sounds good. Thank you very much. You got it. Brian, John, and Teola from the Fresno Bee. Tyler Davison will be here this weekend. He is one of eight guys now under contract coming into this rookie class here for the New Orleans Saints. We'll take a quick break, and we'll continue that conversation in just a moment. Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you are invited to try out. Join us on Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. For more information on how you can be a part of the Pelicans dance team, visit pelicans.com today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. 
Well, it sure was fun on draft night listening to uh, John Stinchcomb pronounce Haoli Kakaha's name. That was the uh, number 44 overall selection in the NFL draft, the round two pick, the first second round pick by the New Orleans Saints. And uh, Adam Jude, I'm sure, has uh, had plenty of practice pronouncing Haoli's name. He covered the Huskies for the Seattle Times and is going to help us learn a little bit more about the uh, new Saints linebacker here on the Black and Blue Report. Adam, uh, how did the pronunciation process go for the young man from Hawaii? <laughs> uh, well, it was a lot of fun uh, the past couple of years trying to pronounce it, trying to figure it out. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I think you guys have touched on it a little bit, but, you know, he actually changed his last name um, two years ago here at UW. I think he turned 21, and instead it's something that he'd been thinking about for a while with his family dynamics and uh, so his last name when he came to UW in, in 2010 was Jamora. And so he changed it to Kikaha to honor his mother's side of the family. And, um, and so it was kind of like after he came back from his two ACL injuries, um, he came back with a, a new name and a new number, a uh, new uniform number. And so it was almost like a, a whole new guy coming back. And, and I think fans had to relearn who this guy was and, and, boy, are they glad they did because he certainly uh, showed up and, and made a name for himself these past couple of years, and, and I do think he's going to have a lot of success there for the Saints. I think, uh, I think Haoli told me that his new uh, last name, Kikaha, uh, means happy in Polynesian. Would that describe him as, a, as an individual? Absolutely. Actually, it's uh, Haoli, his first name means happy Haoli. in Hawaiian, okay. and then uh, Kikaha. Uh, he, he did some research with his mother and his grandmother, and they had picked out a couple um, of names that they thought fit and were appropriate for a last name, and Kikaha was the one he ended up going with, and that means uh, to soar or, and to fly. So uh, happy and to soar and to fly, I think, are, are very appropriate for Haoli um, as a guy who um, – you know, grew up with a single mother, some, some difficult family background circumstances. Uh, she raised uh, Haoli and her and his two older brothers mostly on her own there in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, as he told me, the struggle was real. The struggle was real for them coming up. And, and so he, he didn't have a whole lot, and, and he had to work for everything he did get. And, and I think you're going to see that immediately there. Uh, down there in New Orleans, um, he's a guy who, uh, as good as work ethic as I've seen at this level, I've been covering college football for 10 years, and um, I, I was amazed uh, a couple years ago for a guy coming off uh, two major knee injuries to see him consistently uh, be kind of the one guy who would work extra after every practice. Uh, I remember it was actually um, a Stanford week a couple of years ago and uh, they had just had one of their most intense practices of the week and, and uh, they were practicing indoors that day and, and I, had, I had come out after practice after wrapping up some interviews and this was probably 15-20 minutes after practice and all of a sudden I'm looking out onto the side field uh, at UW side field and, and there was a player standing alone uh, working at, with, with some bags working on his, on his moves and sure enough it was Haouli and so I went up to him. I said, what are you doing, man? You just practiced for two hours. And he's like, I got to get better, man. I got to get better at Stanford week. So uh, that really stood out to me. I think, you know, at the time, I didn't know a whole lot about him. Uh, 2013 was my first season covering the Huskies. And he knew how big a week that was against Stanford. Stanford, obviously, with a great offensive line. And I think he actually went up against Andres Pete uh, quite a bit that, that day. And again, the, the next season as well. So be kind of curious to see the, the scouting reports they would be able to provide against each other and of each other. But 
Um, that's just sort of the guy, how old he is. Yeah, I don't think he'd ever took anything for granted. Uh, I wrote this after he was drafted that uh, he's probably the most conscientious uh, player I've ever covered at this level. Very thoughtful, uh, very humble, um, and, and I think uh, he's instantly going to become a fan favorite down there. I have no doubt about that. No doubt either here. Um, the only doubt I think that some Saints fans have in their brain right now is these two knee surgeries. Should there be any concern at all about the two ACLs he's had? Well, you just never know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a position to say, you know, he's completely over that. But I think if you look at what he's been able to do, you know, in the two seasons uh, since, uh, obviously a ridiculous amount of, of sacks. He set the school not only single-season record this past season with 19 sacks, but he's got the career record as well. And, again, the vast majority of those coming after those knee injuries. So um, I, I don't think, you know, this day and age, when you're talking about ACL injuries, I, I think, um, you know, it's, I don't know if it's an exact science, you know, the procedures to come back from that. But, obviously, you hear about ACLs all the time. And it, uh, it just seems like guys are out for a year and then they come back and, and they're more or less fine. So uh, there are plenty of examples of guys being able to come back and be productive from that. So I don't think there's, there should be too much concern. Um, I think the one thing that, you know, obviously is, is kind of hung over how will he did hang over him uh, through the draft process was just, you know, his position. I think a lot of people labeled him as sort of that, that tweener. He played mostly defensive end here at the University of Washington and did some uh, work as an outside linebacker last season, a stand-up kind of pass rusher specialist. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see how that transition continues for him to be more of a true outside linebacker or, you know, what are the Saints going to do with him in that system? Um, is he going to be more of an edge rusher, which has been his strength here at the college level, or is he going to be able to adapt and, and – um, you know, show that versatility a little bit more and, and play more on the edge and, and chase down the running back and maybe, you know, be in coverage a little bit more, uh, which, again, are, are things he didn't do a ton of here at Washington. But I, I do think he's capable of to a degree. On the other hand, you know, he's obviously a very unique and very special at, at rushing the passer. So you want to make sure you you get him, at, you know, doing that as often as possible as well. So that's one thing I'm, I'm curious to see how he develops in that regard. Adam Jude from the Seattle Times with us. Adam, I'm, I'm still trying to get my arms around these, these 19 sacks. I mean, that number is gaudy, to say the least. Um, what's his trick? What's his, uh, what's, how's he getting that done? I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, no, and that's a great question, and, and uh, obviously a great question for him. But just from my perspective, uh, you know, I think he had a sack in every game last season, his senior season, except one. And I think that one game was down at Arizona when that was kind of the one game where they felt like matchup-wise uh, they wanted him out on the edge and wanted him out more in coverage a little bit more. And I was actually surprised to see he actually lined up as a cornerback on a couple of occasions, you know, way out wide in, in certain uh, packages, uh, lined up one-on-one against a receiver. So that that was kind of unique and, and one way it showed off his versatility. But I remember talking to him uh, after that game, and, and he was he was sort of licking his chops, uh, eager to get back close to the line of scrimmage and, and chased after the quarterback again. And, and I think he did exactly that the next week and had a couple more sacks. But, again, he's a guy who uh, you know doesn't take anything for granted. He, he works hard at it. Uh, he's, he's, I think, a technician. A coach would probably describe him as a technician with his hands. Um, he, he just gets up in, in the linemen and he knows how to use his leverage and get his hands and, and get free from those linemen uh, and get around the edge as, as quick as possible. 
Um, he's just he's just one of those guys who mastered his craft that way. I think he does a lot of film study uh, and really took a lot of pride in that stuff. Like I said, he, he works really hard, and, and I really don't think he's going to take this opportunity for granted. Adam, that's a very thorough report, and I think I can probably, I'm getting my pen right now, I think I can probably list you as a fan here of Haoli Kikaha. Is that fair to say? You know, yeah, being in my position, you obviously are a beat writer, and you, you try to uh, take everything, you know, uh, objectively and as fairly as possible. But uh, I was, I think, talking to, to someone at the University of Washington last season, and I just said, you know what, it's impossible not to root for this guy. Uh, not only you, you can take away his success on the field and everything he's, he's done on the field, uh, a unanimous All-American, but you just look at what he was off the field. He was an uh, academic All-Pac-12 player as well. Um, I, I know that his uh, school meant a lot to him. He actually let me come hang out with him at, at a class one day, and uh, I got to see what that was all about. And, and I know uh, that was actually a class um, that was taught at the Museum of Natural History here. And I know his, um, his, his Hawaiian culture, his Polynesian roots mean a lot to him. Um, he actually told me with a straight face, that his goal one day is to reunite the Pacific Islands. And so I, I knew he had NFL aspirations and I knew he had, uh, you know, high goals for football, but uh, his goals outside of football for life after football are even more ambitious. And I have no doubt that, you know, he's going to be able to achieve some of those dreams as well just because he's, he's that uh, thoughtful, he's that smart, he's that conscientious, and he works that hard. So, um, Howley is, is a unique guy, he's a special guy, and it, it really jumped out to me when Sean Payton in his uh, his press conference remarked last week about Howley that you know he said something along the lines of Howley is kind of one of those rare guys where the coach you really hope you, you get the opportunity to coach him and work with him, and, and I, I really think that's going to ring true for Howley because again he is one of those rare individuals where it's just hard not to root for him and, and uh, you know just sit back and enjoy his success because. I think he's going to have a lot of it at that next level. Yep, it all starts for him this weekend. Outstanding work, Adam Jude. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Adam Jude uh, with the Seattle Times. Hauli Kikaha. Oh, man, that's a ringing endorsement to say the least. Another great visit. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll wrap up today's show in just a moment. And now, the main event. New Kids on the Block, live in concert, performing in the round with very special guests, TLC. And Nelly, the biggest concert event of the year, Friday, May 15th, Smoothie King Center. Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com or call 800-745-3000. New Kids on the Block with TLC and Nelly. For VIP ticket packages and more, visit NKOTB.com. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island in a new sports car and a golden hot That's tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana lottery retailer. Starting jackpot $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Well, I did enjoy today getting to know Tyler Davison a little better and Haoli Kikaha through the eyes of beat writers that covered uh, both of those new Saints uh, through their college careers. 
Again, rookie minicamp starts this weekend and it goes the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th. I know that our own John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com will be covering that uh, media availability, that open locker room on uh, Saturday. And uh, as of uh, last night or this morning, uh, press time, if you will, for the Black and Blue Report, all the uh, draft picks are signed now with the exception of Andrus Pete, the 13th overall selection, the uh, the big fella out of Stanford University. So hopefully that gets uh, locked up and taken care of maybe as early as today, as a matter of fact. Um, I, I'm very, very excited about uh, this class. Everybody keeps asking me, what do you think of the draft? What do you think about the Saint, what the Saints did? And I think the further we learn or the more we learn about these guys and the more I look at how uh, potential fits may come about uh, I think that I think that this is a job well done. Of course, there's a long road to go and plenty to find out. But getting to know these guys uh, throughout these interviews uh, has been exciting, and I can't wait to meet them all in person. I want to say this. I want to wish Monty Williams all the best. Uh, he was a tremendous uh, man of character and a leader to me over the last five seasons. Um, and I think that there will be a lot of things to look back upon positively about the Monty Williams era with the New Orleans Hornets and the New Orleans Pelicans. And so I want to wish him all the best. I respect the decisions made and uh, look forward to the future as that is now the focus, uh, the taking the next step for the Pelicans and building upon this past season's 45 wins and a playoff appearance and the continued growth of the program uh, circling around Anthony Davis. So that exciting time is still to come. And uh, Coach Williams, I know, was a bit stung by the news yesterday, rightfully so. But uh, what he did yesterday in speaking to the media outside of his home is how all of those things should be handled. Nothing but class from Monty Williams yesterday. And, again, we wish him all the best. He's certainly been a friend to, uh, to those of us covering him, to those of us here at the Black and Blue Report, and to the fans who wanted to get to know him as good as po- or as best as possible and uh, what he was doing with his program. So without, uh, without Monty Williams, I'm probably a different broadcaster, and I'm sure I will be a different broadcaster and will grow again under the next head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans as well. Tomorrow on the program, we'll uh, learn more about Stefan Anthony and Andrews P. Both. The uh, two first-round guys will be our focus as we take you through a Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Our thanks to all of our guests today. And for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.